The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Benched with Bubba, episode 41, your U.S. Open preview. we got another golf major kicking off this weekend. So I'm going to bring back our usual golf expert. You can find him on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. Jesse, how are we doing today? Doing well, Bubba. Thanks for having me on again. Glad to be here. So freaking pumped for this golf tournament this weekend. Yeah, I was, I was going to try to figure out how I was going to mention this, but you kind of led me to it. Um, we know why you're pumped because <laughs> my friend, I, I got done golfing this weekend. I looked at my phone. I was kind of off Twitter. And one of the first things I see is a screenshot that says <laughs> – won a dome ticket to qualify in the Thunderdome. That is yeah. amazing. Congratulations. Oh, it was so epic. It was so epic. And I, you know, I don't I don't play a whole lot of qualifiers, but I I, I threw it in I threw my one main lineup in that one and was just like, you know, who knows? It's just winner take all and that stuff. Four hundred people plus, so you gotta get lucky. And I hit it on the nail on the head this week, this past week. Yep, now now you gotta build that big, big important biggest lineup of your life. <laughs> oh man. It's no wrecking. It's no wrecking. I mean, I've been in I've been in big contests before, but nothing nothing is, that's nearly comes to close to fifty three hundred dollar entry. Yeah, yeah. The the the, uh, the good old country club's a little different than the Thunderdome. Sure. sure. <laughs> well, good. Well, as we break down the U.S. Open, we'll get a little idea of where you're at on that one, and go from there. But let's recap some recent golf. I know we've talked in the past about how awesome it is with like. I don't, I don't know if parody is the right word, but a lot of the young golfers and just anything can happen on any weekend right now. There's not that, you know, Dustin's pretty dominant, but there's not really a dominant force out there right now. We saw it recently. Siwoo Kim out of nowhere, a huge underdog with the big win. Then Duff Daddy, after screwing us all over in the DFS world the week before, <laughs> comes back and just lights it up. Um, what are your thoughts on some of these recent winners? Yeah, I mean, you know, you touched on Siwoo there. He um... – uh, before and after pretty much his win at the at the Players Championship, which is a is considered the fifth major, one of the biggest golf tournaments of the year, um, has been awful. I mean, since he won the Players Championship, miscut, withdrew. Before that, he had a 22nd, miscut, withdrew, 30th, 40th. I mean, there's just nothing there to point where this guy is going to potentially win this golf tournament. He comes in at $6,600 on DraftKings that weekend, too. But I watched a lot of that golf tournament, and he had one of the best drivers off the deck in the rough that I've ever seen in my life. Um, so when, when he hit that shot, I kind of knew he was on, and it was his, his deal to win. And then 
like you said last week, Duffner, or two weeks ago, I guess now, Duffner um, blitzed the field in the first two days. I mean, he was just hitting the ball so pure and finally making all kinds of putts. And then, of course, he has a meltdown on Saturday only to come back and, and finish it off on Sunday. I myself was big time on Duffner that week, and I know you and a few others unfortunately weren't, um, but I, I had a feeling that people were going to see bias, which I've talked about in the, the article last week. I'll talk about more about it this week too. Um, but basically where you, you know, guy misses a cut and then people just totally fall off of him. And I was really surprised on Duffner. He came in at 3% pretty much across the board. Um, but his form previous to that was really, really good. So it was trending the right direction. He just had a one bad weekend, which if you play golf is very much possible at any point, you know? Well, and people forget with Duffner, he basically missed about what, one or two strokes when he went double or triple, like right at the end. He basically almost made the cut and everyone been happy. Yeah. He wasn't, so it wasn't like he was that far off. I think, yeah, I think he took like a double or triple from the middle of the fairway on 17 or 18 yeah. the week before. And it was just, it was just one of those epic meltdowns. And so it burnt everybody because he was like 20, 30% owned that week before. And so everybody was off of him. Next week, kind of forgot about him. Um, luckily, I was, able not to. And so I had a pretty good week two weeks ago as well, but then also again, of course, this past week. So it's been a pretty good couple of weeks for me, DraftKings wise. And let's get, the, let's keep that heater going this weekend. But uh, yeah, definitely something to think about recency bias. Like another guy that same week or, or the week after like Kyle Stanley, and then he comes back and plays well this week. It's, it's yep. so, it's so true. And people don't understand that. And they, that, I hope they're paying attention to the rest of the article and not just the picks in your pieces. And um, that's something to keep in mind because golf is such a fickle game and it's just a couple holes can ruin a whole weekend and it, it's different courses, different weekends, but still the best golfers in the world. So right. it's like, come on people. Um, but yeah, really interesting stuff there and um, more to come. And I got to know where burger this past weekend, the St. Jude defend back to back St. Jude championships. It's just, it's crazy. It's fun. Yeah. And no, I was a blast. But, this past weekend too, Cause I don't know if you watched any of it def- or, uh, Berger on the first hole pulls his drive left, jerks another one up into the tall stuff, chips out short, and then chips in for par, right off the right off the bat. And so you know that pretty much saved his, pretty much won the golf tournament for him right there on the first hole. Little did he know that, of course. But game and a lot of people will get give these guys hard times, and it's just dude because if you play golf, you know how difficult it is. Get out there and play it. If you don't. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, very mental, and that kind of stuff will help big time when it comes to that mental aspect of the game. Um, let's start talking U.S. Open, second major of this year. Uh, we previewed the Masters, which is amazing, so we're hoping the Open, you know, keeps its, keeps it going. Some past winners, you know, DJ won it last year, hung on. You had Spieth win it the year before. That Keimer, Justin Rose, Webb Simpson, of all people. The list goes on and on. Um, do you, you know, that, well, you know, they, they switched the courses up. Can you explain kind of what the USG is and explain how, kind of how this is not a PGA event, even though it is a PGA event? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. So the PGA is just <laughs> your professional golfers association and they pretty much sanction all of the golf tournaments during the year, except for a few, the masters, the U S open, and then the British open. Um, and the British Open is sanctioned by the RNA, and then 
the U.S. Open is sanctioned by the USGA, which the USGA is the United States Golfers Association, which anybody can belong to who wants to, whether you're a golfer or not, you pay your dues, you're a member of the USGA. What they do is they go into a golf course, uh, you know, we are a year or two in advance, you know, sometimes like in particular with this, this one I've heard, they've been there for a few years kind of grooming it and they basically take over the golf course and make it into what they want to make it into. Um, and one thing that they've kind of been doing here recently, and I think is pretty cool is going to these public golf courses. Um, Chambers Bay was public. Uh, I'm pretty sure Oakmont's private, but and Aaron Hills is, is, is also a uh, public, um, and so it's one of those things where if you're traveling around or you want to go and, and go play the same type of golf course, you can do that, you know, a few weeks after this one's over with, so you can get tea time, which I'm sure they're booked up forever. But one way or the other, they go in and they just do whatever they possibly want to do to a golf course, whatever trendy thing that they're trying to bring into the golf world is. Um, and they've recently, you know, done some, things that are uh, debatable. Um, so we'll see how it turns out this year. Yeah, because uh, we'll get into some little course previewing here. And uh, you've seen Kevin Na's video. If people haven't seen that, that's uh, something worth looking at because that kind of went viral quick when he put that out. Um, <laughs> I believe Lee, I believe Lee Westwood came out with one today. I saw something about that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys talking about this course setup. Uh, before we get into tons of details, what were your thoughts on the Kevin Na video? Um, uh, Kevin, you know, he's kind of a a weird guy, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, but one way or the other, you know, it's it's right there off of the playing, the quote-unquote playing um, surface or whatever. And, you know, I heard a little bit more kind of about why it's so thick in that type of area today. Um, and it's because of the kind of overspray when they're spraying the first cutter, primary cutter rough in the, in the, in the uh, fairway. It just kind of blows out into that part of the fescue, which makes it blow up even more and become thicker because it's being fertilized and watered more than the other parts. And the issue with that is, is it's right there right off the rough. So instead of it being, you know, three, four, five yards deep, it's as soon as you step into it. But if you go past the initial three or four five yards, you're actually into some playable fescue that's not as tall and as thick as that right off the rough. And that's an issue. But apparently that's a problem anywhere you have fescue um, on any golf course. And so I think myself, and I talk about this in the article that will be coming out for too long, but I'll talk about it now too. I think it's being overblown because if you look at the golf course, I I don't know. I just don't know how much that's really going to come into play. Yeah, no. And you're not the only one to say that. I've seen other uh, golfers tweet out that um, sure it's going to be a problem, but the way he did that video, they're saying you got to really be in a bad spot for that to happen. Basically. Uh, because, heck, I played somewhere this weekend, and on one of the courses, they had grass all along the fairway. We pulled up to the first tee, and we're like, well, if we ever had to hit it straight, it was today. Because if you get in that grass, you're, all you can really do is punch it out, uh, which is fine. But um, it's it, these guys are pros. They, they're they going to know what to do with this stuff. And it's not going to – you know, anything's going to kill you if you're not hitting it down the fairway all day long. But this is a, a different deal. Um, let's get into a little bit of the course 
I've got some numbers here that just were mind blowing to me when I saw them yesterday. 652 acres, which is four times the average course. It's six miles of walking up and down. So pray for the caddies. Um, <laughs> from the tips, it's 8,348, but they're not playing the tips. The course is going to play about 7,693 yards, which is still pretty impressive. The biggest part with this course, because of that fescue and some other things, is the wind has a tendency to go from about 24 to 28 miles an hour when it gets kicking. So that'll be the, that'll be the deciding factor. And as I know you tweet out a lot, you mentioned your articles, maybe check the weather, check, you know, the winds because tea times could be very big in this respect. Um, What are your takeaways by kind of the layout of this course? Uh, It's going back to a more traditional type of course, as far as the par par 72. So traditional four par fives, four par threes or S par fours. Um, I'm, I'm excited about the fact that they're throwing in two more par fives again. I think it only adds to the game if you can watch guys make birdies versus struggling around to make pars on all kinds of par fours and just continuously play par fours, you know, every other hole or every hole, it seems like. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really excited about that. And the par fives, you know, they can get up over 600 yards. Um, they will move the tees around on those every day. So some could be longer, some could be shorter. Um, but I think they're going to be attackable uh, by these guys. You know, there's some really the, – the, you, you mentioned the the amount of space here. If you go and, and do some research on this golf course, it's really, really cool, the story behind the whole entire thing. But it's more or less untouched ground as far as they didn't move around a whole heck of a lot of dirt to make this golf course. So it's all, like, natural um, kind of stuff, which is – which is, you know, uh, really, really cool. I don't know if you saw too, but Ted Scott, who is Bob Watson's caddy, put out a video about how he had to lay down. He was doing like a selfie and, you know, he's like, I guess, implying how difficult it is to walk. So and I've seen some people talk about that, that angle, but, you know, Chambers Bay was a difficult one to walk too. So read into that. Yeah, it kind of makes me think right now because it it's super hilly, rolling hills, all this stuff. It's six miles, so it's going to put a lot on a guy's walking, especially with a bag on their back. What right. makes me wonder, because we saw Chambers Bay, is how good is Dust or not Jason Day's little issue? <laughs> I, I think he's fine. I think he's fine too, but that'd be interesting because <laughs> he, he tweeted out today that it was very draining, his practice round. Oh, really? Oh God! Yeah, I said, uh, something along something along those lines. I think he shot like a seventy. I said it was extremely like a draining round of golf. Oh God! Oh, yeah, that. that's what I'm saying. That's so I was like, hmm. <laughs> but but yeah, we got. I think it's four par fives. I was reading something earlier that um, are no, yeah, five five par fives. Um, no, four. It's four. Damn it. One. Um, one should be reachable in two by everybody, and then you need to be a big boy to get to three of them in two. Um, so there's something to look at there. And then there's four par fours over 500 yards. So yeah. if that wins like a in your face or something, getting there in two is going to be a lot of work. It will be for a lot of guys. Um, you know, the, the golf course, hole number one is a par five, and the hole number 18 is a par five. So having 18 as a par five again will be really, really, really cool. It's a couple years ago, Chambers Bay, they had the 18th par five, and of course, DJ three jacked it to, to lose. Um, but I think that's a really cool aspect too: is having a scoreable, birdieable 
hole at the end, um, you know, to, to add some excitement and some flair to the golf tournament. And I think that's a really smart way to do it. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, oh, there's what I was looking for. Yeah, the 18th hole is amazing. It's a par five, 637 yards. So yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a, a fun one to watch. But um, let's get into uh, some of the key stats. What are some of the key stats you're looking for? I know it's kind of – you have to kind of guess off of other courses because it's the first time they're playing here. But what would you look into for key stats? Well, one, you know, one major thing that I look at, and it's not necessarily a stat, but just overall U.S. Open history. Um, I mentioned it a lot already in the article um, about just traditionally playing well at the U.S. Open, I think, translates to going to another U.S. Open course. They're not always obviously set up the same, but at the same time, they are done by the same people. So a lot of aspects are the same, and they're all difficult. And, um, you know, a lot of the key stats are remain the same. It's just more of a concentration on a particular few. You know, I'm still looking at I still care about driving distance. I think it's still going to be a factor this week. You know, I've heard that the fairways are going to be a little bit more spongy and, and bouncy. Um, so, and then obviously the hills add a little bit to, to the roll aspect of the deal, but I still want guys who can get over some of the uh, trouble, but at the same time, they need to be accurate. Of course, um, accuracy you know, for me, maybe not as big of a deal um, because if you do the flyover, if you look at the flyover, um, which is uh, on, I think, USGA.com or Aaron Hills or, you know, the U.S. Open website, you can see it on YouTube as well. But it it's pretty the, – the fairways themselves are very, very wide. And then there's, there's obviously a primary cut of rough. So, you know, going back to the whole fescue thing, that's why I don't know that it's going to be that – huge of a deal. I mean, you have to get way off course in order to get up in that fescue or get a really, really bad bounce, which I'm sure is going to happen. And I, I think it'll happen this week, but I'm just not playing as much into the whole type of thing. You know, I played in a golf course for a long time. It was my home course until it closed down and we had tall grass on it. We called it something different than fescue. But, you know, I'm just, I, I don't know. I just got, I guess I don't, fear it that much you know i was a young golfer playing in that i hit it all hit it in all the time and i don't know i think it's overblown um another big one for me is scrambling um guys are going to miss greens because the greens here are relatively small um and then they're going to bounce down and away and roll and end up in weird spots where they're chipping out um and then hitting greens and regulation is obviously a very important stat. it always is for me and then putters, you know, I'm, I'm putting a little eff- emphasis on putting. Um, Cause I'm not looking for guys to make birdie putts here. I'm looking for guys who can two putt 50 feet. I think that's going to be really, really important. Yeah. I'm glad you said that last part. The two putting things going to be huge. Cause like those long par fours, if you get there in two, I think I was reading to get there in two from between two and two twenty out, the average distance to the pin is 44 feet. In the <laughs> this year or something. So yeah, I mean, we're not going to see a lot of birdies. Let's just be realistic about no, it. That's not going to happen. I just want guys who can who can legitimately lag putt and then make a three or four footer if they have to to you know finish it off. That's what I uh, yeah. Um, that's what I'm looking for. No, that's a great point. And the other thing I didn't mention with past winners is 
if people aren't familiar with the U.S. Open for some reason, you're not looking at, you know, explosive scores. We're not going to get the Tiger Woods big numbers and stuff like that. McElroy had a big one. But most of the time, heck, we had a couple plus ones. Jason or Justin was Dustin Johnson was minus four last year. So you're not getting the big boy numbers out here. Right. So right. pars pars are very, very good. Yeah, I think I think a good score, you know, is obviously a par, but I think the the final round score is gonna be somewhere in the neighborhood of I think, you know, I think people can get to five under with the four par fours or four par fives every day. I think that five under is realistic to get to. So it's gonna depend a lot on the wind, like you already talked about. Um a little bit of rain in the forecast potentially, so it might soften some things up, but I've also heard that it's not overly dry out there at this point, so We'll see how they continue to set it up. But if they don't make it too awful hard, I think that, you know, into the single digits under par is very possible this week. Yeah, one last thing before we get into the players. I, I, I completely agree with the distance on this. It's not just because it's a longer course, but it's – I might be speaking out of school, but it's kind of a Lynx style, if not a Lynx course. Yep. And that gives you so much rolling. If you can get that top spin going on those drives, like um, – it was a couple of tournaments ago. You saw DJ hitting it like four something or three, yeah. 370 or whatever the hell it was. I'm not saying he's going to go that far here, but if he hits the right one with the spin going the right way, it'll roll for a while. So right. like that's going to be so huge compared to like, as much as you like a guy like Jordan Spieth, well, Spieth doesn't hit it long. So given he'll have some better, you know, with the rolling is going to help, but still there's going to be a gap there. Yeah. And oh, I think yeah. That's very, 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 very big. You're talking, you know, a difference of a guy maybe hitting 220 into a green versus, you know, maybe in the 190-ish range. And yeah, I want the guy who's hitting 190 instead of the guy who's hitting 220. Exactly. So I, I like it. And it's a quote I'll never forget. It was in a golf digest almost probably a year ago now. It's the one piece where they, like, ask, like, five questions to every golfer or a golfer takes you through a hole and what club he's going to use. And it was Dustin Johnson and someone said – well, why would you hit driver here if a three would replace you here, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, I hit driver every time I can hit driver. I don't care if I miss it 30 yards to the left or the right. I'm still going to be 30 to 40 yards farther down the fairway than you guys are. Some approach is easier. <laughs> right. And the, these greens are – the landing areas here are so big as far as the 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 fairway cut um, that missing it, you know – not missing it, you obviously can't miss it terribly bad, but missing it a little bit is going to be okay. And Dustin's played that, is playing that big smooth draw now, so you know he's got uh, that in his bag. Um, I think that'll be beneficial this week. Cool. Well, we won't bore people with this even more, even though it's not boring to me. But we know what people came here for. They want their DFS info. That doesn't mean don't <laughs> read the article. The article's really good. It's getting posted right after we finish this, so don't not read the article. But um, let's get into it. Uh, we have DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, since it's just one-on-one, I was going to ask you anyways. Um, FanDuel switched to the eight-man field instead of the six – or the, the original eight-man where it was four for the first two days, four for the last two. Now it's eight for the whole tournament. Right. What are your thoughts on, like, the first weekend of that going down? You know, I haven't – I've dabbled in it a little bit. I haven't really put the time and effort into it to be um, – successful at it. My biggest issue with FanDuel um, at this point is they don't have the ability to pull um, like ownership percentages and cut made percentages off of their website. So it really 
deters me from playing there if I don't know what I'm playing against and and that kind of thing. So I don't know. Hopefully, though, I've, I've seen some people tweet at them about that. I hope they change that. I am playing on there this week. Um, I'm going to dab a little bit in the 555. There's a $555 buy-in over there, and it's 100000 the first. So I'm going to try my hand at that. Um, but they do have some bigger tournaments over there this week, too, that bigger than what they usually would. Um, so I'll be interested to see if they actually can fill some of these up. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Between the two uh, sites, I know you and some others we talk to regularly, you guys have actually started looking at these contests like a week ago or something. Um, between FanDuel and DraftKings, are there any like out-of-the-ordinary contests that look pretty good that aren't like, you know, 400 bucks or 500 bucks, but are uh, pretty good right. compared to the normal fields besides your yeah. Thunderdome ticket? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they uh I was uh I was wanting to mention the three entry maxes. They've uh bumped that, those up way up really from what they usually have. There's a twenty dollar three entry max, um, which is about probably two times bigger than what it usually is, and then the five dollar three entry max is twenty three thousand, which is which is a pretty big tournament for three entry max. Um so if you're into the you know, trying to get away from the multi-entry or whatever. And then, of course, the Albatross, the $12 Albatross is up to 9,600 people. That's a pretty big prize pool as well. Um, DraftKings really, really, did, I think, did a good job with their lineup selection or their lineup of contests uh, this week, and they've, they've, they've put their neck out there. So I don't think I'll have any problem filling them. But there's some really, really good contests if you're trying to stay away from the Millie or you're just trying to throw in maybe one or two lineups and, not fight against the guys who are putting in 150 or 300 lineups. Um, so those single entries and the, uh, and the three entry maxes, I think are really good. Cool. All right, let's get into some players. We'll start in the 10,000 and above range. We got DJ Spieth, McElroy, Day, Fowler, Ram, and Sergio, which ones really uh, catch your eye and they're kind of the guys you're focusing around. Well, so my biggest thing, week in and week out is trying to predict and see ownership. Um, and I talk about it all the time and I talk about it this week in the article too. Um, and so trying to figure out who the lowest owned guys of those, cause but like they're all so good and so could win it, could win week in and week out. If I'm on the guy, I'm trying to find a guy who's the lowest owned. Um, I don't know who that's going to be, but the guys that I like in particular are above 10,000, in order would be Sergio, DJ, Day, and potentially Fowler. Now, Fowler completely depends on how much he's touted this week. If he's highly touted, I'm not going to be on the Fowler train. But if he's not, then I think he's a good sneaky play, kind of like the Duffner or the Rafa Cabrera-Bayo plays of the last couple weeks would be. Um, And so those would be kind of my forward. Now, you can make a case for Jason Day. I mean, uh, Jordan Spieth, um, you know, and I probably wouldn't argue against you. You can make a case for Rory. My issue with Rory right now is the back. We already talked about walking six miles up and down hills. Um, you know, he's still got the back issue. Whether or not how how well off he is at this point is 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 unknown to me. So he kind of scares me a little bit. And then John Rom, um, I don't know. He's he hits the ball long, far, straight. A case and a half. I don't know if you've been watching him, but he has just almost lost it on the golf course a few times. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the wrong thing. Yeah. Sorry. The wrong thing is a hundred percent accurate. Cause 
when it goes bad, it goes bad in a hurry. And he just is, is mannerisms out there. He starts just yelling. He's, just, he's all over the yeah. place. This course would eat him alive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and it will, if you, if you get too up in your head, um, one thing doesn't go your way, whatever, you know, before you know it, you've made a quad and you're out of the golf tournament. Um, and I mean, he, I think he, I think he's going to be a really, really, really good golfer. It's just, he's really young. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just one of those things where at this point, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's wrong, but I don't know that I'll have any John Rahm this week at all whatsoever. I might throw one lineup in just to kind of hedge a little bit, but I think he's also going to be popular. That's another reason why I don't really necessarily want to be on him because I, I do think he's going to be up there in ownership, probably the you know 20, 30% range. Yeah, everybody still loves him. Uh, his future is going to be freaking amazing once he gets his stuff together, kind of like it took DJ a while. It, it's just once they right. figure it out, it's going to be scary. But um, the Ricky Fowler deal, uh, I like that you mentioned I was going to ask you about him. It's kind of weird for me because, yes, I think he's a really good golfer, but if you look at his price tag compared to maybe some we're going to talk about, say, in the nines, I, to me, he's overpriced compared to some of those guys. Now, I could be totally misreading this, and I've seen like half my Twitter feed loves him, half are saying fade him. So I have no idea what the heck's going on with him right now. Well, you know, he misses the cut last week, last week at the St. Jude. That doesn't bother me at all. I, don't, I mean, you know, who knows what he was thinking or going through. I don't even know why he was there, to be honest with you. I, I really wasn't on mine. He agreed to go down there. Um, I've been some kind of sponsorship deal. But, you know, second at the Memorial, he played really, really well at the Memorial. The big thing about Ricky is he can putt lights out. Um, and, and he's also one of the longest, straightest hitters on tour as well. Um, but you know, if he's, if he's up there in ownership, I don't really want much of him either. Um, it just depends. I mean, it really is going to come down to watching, uh, how much he's, uh, touted out there and then making the decision probably, you know, Wednesday evening. Um, I'll probably have a little piece one way or the other, but whether or not I go full bore or back off, um, will come down to that, but he's got the game and it's, you know, he's due. There's also the due factor too. Yep. Definitely something that does exist. Um, let's get into the next range of golfers, the 8K to 9,900. You got Rose, Matsuyama, Henrik Stenson, Kopka, Adam Scott, Brendan Grace, Phil Mickelson, Casey, Justin Thomas, Bubba, Duffner, and Berger. I did read somewhere that it's been years, if ever, I don't think it's ever happened, where the previous week's winner won the U.S. Open. So, if you were thinking about doing burger for some reason, there's that on your side. But um, <laughs> I, what what are you leaning towards in this department? Um, I, I I like myself. I'm really really high on Henrik. Um, I thought he was going to be sneakier until I heard a few people saying his name, and it's kind of ruined my sneaky factor. But he has um, the game that kind of fits into the tee to green as far as can hit three wood off the tee. He can hit it straight and long, um, very accurate, very good long iron player. Uh, and, you know, is, is, is just kind of the ideal type of golfer. He was – my thinking was he was over here for uh, 
March and April, played in the Arnold Palmer, Houston Open, the Masters, miscut, miscut, miscut. So a lot of the people in the United States didn't really pay much attention after the miscut three straight weeks. He makes the cut at the Players' Championship, 16th, third at the BMW Championship, which is a really big European golf tournament, um, and then 26th at another uh, Nordea Masters, another European golf tournament. So he's been trending back in the right direction after three straight weeks of just trash golf um, when he was over here playing initially. So I was thinking a lot of people would be off him, but now I've heard his name quite a bit, so I'm not real sure how that'll be. But I like the price myself. One thing that I have learned over the last few weeks is that more balanced lineups are actually doing better than the stars and scrubs types of lineups. Because what DraftKings is trying to do to us is make a lineup where we feel comfortable with Dustin Johnson in it. Previously, you had to dig deep to even fit a Dustin Johnson type of golfer in your lineup and not really feel comfortable with it. Well, now with the pricing, I can I can put Dustin Johnson in there with almost probably five other top 50 golfers in the world, which is just insane. So that's what, that's what they're trying to do. So they're, so that's how everybody's thinking. Everybody's going that way. So when, you know, when that happens, you got to figure out something else. And then I, you know, going more balanced, it worked last week. It worked the week before. So I'm thinking balance this week, starting with, um, you know, either Sergio or Henrik. Um, I'm a big Sergio fan, so I didn't talk about him, but I, I do like Sergio as well. He's at right at 10,000. So, and, uh, and then kind of getting on down, Adam Scott, that price is ridiculous in my opinion. He's, his putter's terrible, but s- still love the Tita Green game. Uh, and then Paul Casey, I think he's a great value too at 8,400. I'm, I'm really glad. Well, a couple things to touch on. Henrik Stenson, I would have expected to be low too. And um, just for the fact he has burned so many of us this year. <laughs> he like, did. So many. How, many, how many tournaments, Jesse, have we been like, oh, this is Henrik's time. And then he literally <laughs> goes and shits the bed. It's like, <laughs> he, looks, he looks like me out there golfing, but I'm not a pro. <laughs> the, worst, the worst was literally when he was in the water with no clothes on and then chipping it out and then chipping on the green with his wedge putting it in with the wedge. I mean, at that point it was, I'm done with him extensive forever, you know, type of mood, but inevitably I always get back on the train at some point. Well, and it's a good point. <laughs> and the thing is for, especially for a GPP, just looking at drafting stats, not even going into a bunch cause I don't have all those windows open, but he's made seven of 11 cuts. And in those seven cuts, he has five top tens. So when he's, right. he's bringing it, he's that good. So yes. there's a lot to be said about that. The other thing I wanted to mention was um, I love the comment on the more balanced lineups. I started toying with that. Um, I, for a while there, I was making a bunch of lineups. I've kind of cut it back recently because just the tournaments, but I'll probably be an idiot and go deep again this weekend because there's a lot I like. Because when you have this many good golfers, there's so much more variety you can build. Um, yeah. I love the balanced approach because some of the tournaments I've done that on the bigger ones – I remember I showed you guys one time I made like all lineup of all eight to 9,000 guys. And that one, I think in our junkies league, which is if people understand is more competitive than most GPPs you see. Um, I think I finished in the top 10 there, which is pumped me up. Yeah. But it's, it's like week in and week out. It's um, you don't need to pay up. I, I start almost 10,000 below on most of my lineups. Now I'll sprinkle and you can't not play like a DJ or something like that, but it, it to go heavy, 
I totally agree with the balanced approach. A lot more can get done. And you look at these guys, you know, you might not win the nuts, but to also win the nuts, you have to have like X amount in the top 10. Right. Uh, right. And if you get day and then you go three guys in the sixes, how many of those guys in the sixes are realistically getting in the top 10? Not many. Right. And that's, that's the thing like that you're taking a, yeah. you're taking a chance on, but at the same time, you're taking the same chance that everybody else is doing in the field. Yeah. So if you're, if you start at a different spot, um, then you're automatically making your lineup different and you're able to fit in different guys that would not even be considered on the quote unquote stars and scrubs types of lineups. Um, because you're not going to go Dustin Johnson with Jason day, um, and then be able to fit in two more, you know, mid price guys, you're gonna have to dip away down and then maybe come back up and get one. Uh, but that, yeah, so that's what I've been thinking here more recently and it's, it's worked out. Um, so I'm probably going to try to employ that again this week because like I said, DraftKings is trying to steer everybody and it's very comfortable to go stars and scrubs and just, you know, get two or three of the top guys and then take some good names down below. I mean, there's some really, really good names in the six below 7,000. We'll talk about those here in a little bit, but it's very, very possible. And that's the other thing is the last like month, maybe two months, there's been a lot of really good players in that 7,000 range that I don't know if really? it's people just don't know who they are yet or what it is, but you can do a lot of damage in that, that range almost weekly. Started, right now. It started, you know, three months ago and, you know, three or four months ago. And just like weekend golf, we've talked about this in the past. People don't catch on. I, I don't, I don't know how it doesn't, but somehow the public, I don't know. Maybe I guess they don't do it as much as we do. I don't know. <laughs> like I'm doing this yeah. like for you a week. So it's like, you know. yeah, true. True. Um, I just want to mention three more names in this region and it just quick hit them. You don't have to go deep on them. Just kind of give me your thoughts. Cause I've yeah. seen their names out there a lot. And um, out of curiosity, there's always Matsuyama. So if he's, if he's bringing it, he's really competitive, but he, you never know what you're getting with him. Uh, Brooks, who's a bomber. So I'm curious there. He's actually been playing well the last month or so. And then I've seen a lot of talk about Brendan Grace. So give us a little quick hit on those three. Yeah, with um, Decky, I don't mind him. Um, he's just like – I don't know, he, he has a tendency to kind of spray it. So he gets cut last year, 18th the year before, 35th, 10th. Not terrible course history, or U.S. Open history, I should say. Um, but he can – he's kind of like a John Rahm type of guy, just not probably as flamboyant as far as when his head goes off, is he's gone. Um, so for the price, you know, for me, I'd rather, you know, grab Henrik, save a little bit of money. Brooks, I think he's overpriced um, in this field. I'm not a fan this week. Um, been on him the last few weeks. I'll probably have none this week. He does ha- does have decent U.S. Open history, though. Um, so he does have that going for him. So I-, I wouldn't talk somebody out of playing him in a few GPP lineups. I just think he's he's overpriced. But then again, you know, if you start your lineups with Brooks and build around him, you're going to be different probably because he's going to be in the – probably below 10% range. Uh, and who was the last one? Did you say Brandon Grace? Yeah, Grace. Yeah, Grace. Yeah. I like Grace. And um, he's kind of a little bit overpriced, but at the same time, fifth and fourth the last two years. Hard to argue with that at the U.S. Open. Um, so he made the picks, too, on the old article there. So <clears throat> I'll have a little bit of him as well this week. Perfect. 
Let's move it into the 7K range. I'm not going to list them all off. There's quite a few of them. Yeah. So, um, why don't you highlight some of the ones you're really looking at? Sure. Uh, first and foremost, I think Matt Kuchar is way underpriced. Um, he's not necessarily what you think of as a bomber. Um, he's averaging around 290 off the tee. Not terrible. About mid-pack for the, for the PGA Tour. But he's that kind of guy who hits a lot of greens. He can scramble. Um, he doesn't three-putt a lot. And is just kind of your level-headed type of you – know, like if you're playing golf with your dad as you're throwing clubs, he's just standing over there saying, I'll shoot, you know, and that kind of thing. So he just kind of – it sticks out to me. He's also pretty high up on my, my model this week. So I, I like Cooch. Uh, and then I think a sneaky type of play in this area is going to be Brant Snedeker. And it's going to depend on how, like I said, how highly touted it's all these guys are. It depends on how highly touted they are. But one way or the other, Brant has kind of been battling a wrist injury. But he puts lights out. Um, so I'm, I'm going to have some Brant Snedeker and hope that he gets overlooked quite a bit. He's not been playing the greatest golf. He's GPP only for me. Uh, but I will, you know, dabble uh, with some Brant this week. Um and then other golfers, I like Louie. I like Louie Ustays in a lot. Got really, really good U.S. Open course or U.S. Open history. Um, been playing very, very solid golf. Really good prices, seventy four hundred. Um, and then dipping down a little bit. That's for me. You know, there's a few more plays in particular right around the seven thousand range. Um, I do think Alex Noren's going to be pretty popular at 7,500. I've already seen his name floated a few times. And then another good play, I think, two good plays right at 7,000. Martin Keimer, past champion, $7,000. What? Give me that all day. And then uh, Francisco Molinari playing really solid golf right now, $7,000. He's just a tee to green giant. He's a small guy. He can't putt. So mm-hmm. that's his only issue, but – He's getting that price is just ridiculous to me at seven thousand dollars. Yeah, that's crazy with Molinari. If he brings his flat stick, that guy's definitely a contender this weekend. But that's a big if. That's a big <laughs> no, dude. It's tilting to watch him putt. It's because he could, he'll throw it in there at five foot and then miss it by two feet. And it's just like, what? How is this even possible? You're a professional golfer, but that's his that's his drawback. So that's kind of what scares me a little bit on him. Um, but like I said before. And we're not talking about making all these putts. If you can throw it in there tight and then two putt and make a par, I'm still going to be ecstatic about it this week. It's the only week of the year that, I'm, that this happens. So Yeah, and Molinari's good for that. Yeah. Solid, just boring par golfer kind of guy. Okay, I got a couple questions on guys here. Um, for one, it's a big foreigner department, the 7K range. And um, I've seen a ton of names – one that I eh, – he's burned me lately, and I haven't used him in a while since. But uh, I've seen a lot of questions on Tommy Fleetwood. What's your thoughts on Tommy? Hey, Tommy, he tore me up at the Masters. Um, I don't know. He's, That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, he uh, – yeah, because I watched him hit some great shots when I was at the Masters, and then I went all in, and he just – Rip me a new one, but um, I don't know. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'll have none this week. No. 
What about the big man? He uh, finally won on the Euro Tour, uh, Thomas Peters. He's had some really good weekends over here, and he's a big boy hitter. Do you think yeah. he's worth a dart? I, I I think so, other than the fact that he's probably going to be 20 25% owned. But I think what's going to happen with a lot of people is they're going to go DJ, then Peters. Yeah. Particular Millie and smaller buy-ins. He's a well-known name as far as – well-known goes in the golf world for a Euro. Uh, probably the most well-known guy of them all because he's been there. Um, my issue is really with him is, you know, kind of erratic off the tee. Uh, and that scares me a little bit. I think it, it, there's potential for him to get in trouble. Um, he busts it, but sometimes we don't know where it's going. So I'm more of a fade for ownership on him, though. Okay, a couple more. Um, what about Kisner and uh, Big Pat Reed? Anything on those two? Yeah, I've seen Kisner's name floated quite a bit. I don't mind Kisner. Um, I've never really been a whole big Kisner fan, but his, it's hard to argue with his form. You know, sixth in the Memorial, first, then Luca, 56th at the players. Um, not real sure how he's been at the U.S. Open. Let's see here. He is – 49th, 12th cut. It's not not great U.S. Open history, but he's been playing better golf here recently. So I could see him, um, see somebody making a case for him at 7,500. I think that's a pretty good price. He said who else? The last two. Oh, uh, Pat Reed. Pat, yeah, no. Yeah, okay. That's kind of how I felt. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something. (laughs) Um, He's just so tilting. His putter might be worse than Molinari's. Um, the last two, one name I've seen a ton, Shane Lowry at 7,300. Yeah. I was, uh, watching a certain show today and I didn't realize how much, um, he was liked. Uh, I don't know. He has never been like somebody that I've really paid a whole heck of a lot of attention to. Um, the good thing is he does have really good U.S. Open history, I do believe. And I think that's why a lot of people like him. Um, yep, second and ninth the last two years. But if I'm if I'm in that range, you know, because I, I think he's going to be more popular, so I'd rather take a shot on like maybe a Bud Collie or Adam Hadwin or Woodland, who all hit it just as far and are going to be less owned. So um, he's kind of a, in the fade for me at this point, just due to ownership. All right. Yeah, there's. I could probably ask you a million more, but I'll keep it to this one because it was actually a question from a listener. Um, thoughts on ownership and just overall on uh, Schwartzel this weekend? Uh, yeah, I think Schwartzel, um, I have not seen his name at all. I think he will go probably, if you said that 10% owned, I would say under. Um, I think more people will kind of go toward Cabrera Bello. He's usually more popular. Um, I, I just I don't know where exactly where to to peg Charles. I'm not on him. My issue with him is he's going to be more popular because of his name being top of the leaderboard last week. Same thing with Rafa. They're going to be more popular. They don't hit the ball particularly straight, um, and Rafa cannot chip. So and then of course Charles got the the wrist injury. You know if he hits it in the fescue and then flare, that flares up. So I would, I would just rather not, I mean, for me. 
All right. And we don't even have to talk on these. I'm just going to mention to the listeners. I am a big Hadron guy, and Jesse knows this. Like, he's my boy. But he's a cut machine, if anything, for you, for at least a cash game. And a guy that's always low-owned, it feels like, for GPPs and cash, Brendan Steele at 7,100 is worth a look, in my opinion, if you want to go on the lower end. And he's very rarely owned high. So Yeah, I can get behind those things. Yeah. Something to think about there. Let's get into the last group in the 69 and below, the ultra value plays. And there's some ones. Our boy Flatbill's in here. And we got oh. some other ones. Um, this this is the team G Gen Degen department. Um, <laughs> what do you what are you looking at on the 69 and below? One thing to consider here is that um, a lot of these guys are gonna be really, really popular. So like like you just said, Pat Perez, he's a well-known name. Um I expect him to get some ownership. Leishman, I think he'll get some ownership too. So one strategy to kind of consider is to kind of go with a guy above or below those if you like him or right around that same price range. If you've got a little bit more money, spend it. If you want to just leave some on the table, don't and go down. Um, but these guys will be the popular type of range because, again, we're talking about stars and scrubs type of lineup here. Um one guy who kind of jumps out to me and I'll always roster a little bit of is Emiliano Grillo. Um, he's just really kind of, uh, uh, you know, he's just one of those guys who's just pretty consistent, like you just said about Hadwin and about uh, uh, whoever else you just mentioned there, uh, Steele. They're just kind of – they're not really going to flash anything crazy or do anything. They're not going to make a lot of eagles or not maybe a lot of birdies, but they're just consistent golfers. And I think he's a, a good play there at 6,900. Lucas Glover, former winner, 6,800. I mean, you get another winner there of a U.S. Open, 6,800. Um, and everybody else, I'm not really a huge fan of this region, but like Ben on, I'll have a little bit of him. I already talked about Leishman. I think he'll be popular, but I think he's worth a shot. So those are kind of the guys in the upper 6,000 range. Um, and then once you kind of get down below about 67, 6,600 is when the ownership will really, really thin down. So if you're looking for flyer potential, you're going to want to go below 66, 6,500, somewhere in that range. Like you already said, Pat Perez, he's down there at 66. Jim Furyk finished second in the U.S. Open last, last year, 6,600. I'm not going to play any Jim Furyk, but I'm just saying this is the kind of people down there in this range. So. There's a lot of potential. Yeah. This, this reminds me a lot of uh, the Masters. Yeah. When you down below there, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. But um, one name at the 6,600 range, uh, Graham McDowell has really, really good U.S. Open history. He's a the former champion of the U.S. Open. He's a cut maker. Um, for one thing, if you're, you know, you might not win the whole thing, like I said, because you need top 10 guys but you still need six of six. That's not the worst guy. And he usually gets overlooked unless I'm missing something this week. No, I, I could get behind that. He has been a cut maker pretty much since he was chalky at the Puerto Rico open. Ever since then, he's just pretty much steady golf making cuts. Um, somebody had mentioned in a chat I was in earlier, his name actually. So, you know, it, he makes sense if you're down here in $6,600 range, he's, he would be, I think, a really, really good play. Kind of going back to what you just said, this is a unique golf tournament 
in that instead of top 70 ties, we're at top 16 ties. So there's going to be like 156 golfers that start, and then they're going to cut down to 60. So almost 100 golfers are going to get cut. And so the attrition rate here is just going to be massive. If you get six to six, small GPPs, you have a chance to win it all. Millie Maker type GPPs, like you said, you got to get top tens at everybody. Um, but, you know, you're going to want to focus on the cut maker guys, in my opinion. I don't know. There's, there's not a whole lot of risk that needs to be taken, just given the fact that pretty much DraftKings says, here, make whatever lineup you want to. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of thinking you said it, and I agreed with the, you know, the kind of middle pack approach. You, you, you're not going to win it all, but if you almost went cash game approach this week, even in like a single entry or a three entry max, you should cash pretty well, right. I think. With a chance to win. Yeah. Because you got like, even in the low range, Stuart Sink's a cut machine. Uh, you got some like Sean O'Hare's interesting and these are guys that aren't played often. Uh, JT Poston, he's tilting as tilting can be, but he's been playing. He has that one round that makes you want to break something, but when he goes off, he goes off. So yeah. um, I mean, there's one question I have. There's going to be one or two down here in this range that make the cut and probably get yeah. inside the top 25. Oh, definitely. And that's oh, going to yeah. pay off massively. But who is it going to be? You know, it's, it's a crapshoot down here. Hell, there'll probably be someone below 6,500 that I won't even look at that'll do that. And it's just not worth my time <laughs> because I'll, I'll pull the last hairs out that I have. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to ask you a bunch about this range. This range is absolutely loaded. If people have questions for him, hit him up at DFS Golf Gods. He's always available to help. But uh, there's like almost seems like 30 golfers down there. So we're not going that direction. Um, <laughs> talk forever. Let's talk – what are some of your um, your top lower owned GPP plays you're targeting? Any price range? Um, it's really really difficult to project ownership at this point. I think um, you know if you asked me this on on Wednesday, I would have a, a better idea. But I think Brandon Grace will probably be under owned at eighty six. Um, I don't think a lot of people are going to be on Jason Day. I just I think a lot of people have bad taste in their mouth, kind of what we talked about, recency bias. I think potentially Jason could be the lowest owned of the guys above um, 10,000 there. So if he if he is, that's a, a great play, in my opinion. Um, and then Paul Casey. I mean, I, I hope he flies under the radar. I'll have a lot of Paul Casey this week. Um, just because he's surrounded there by Justin Thomas, who I think will be popular. Um, and then Duffner, who I think will be also be popular as well. And there's a lot to be said about um, those Euros. I'll probably make a couple all-Euro lineups. You're playing Link style, which is their backyard, and right. and you're playing with wind and, and weather conditions. This is like British Open 101 right here. Yeah. Um, this is what they thrive in. So I'm not going to say you look at guys that fared well in the Open, but I'm saying kind of look at guys that fared well in the <laughs> Open because – if the conditions play right, this could be their wheelhouse. That's why guys like Graham McDowell and you know Paul Casey and Shane Lowry, they contend here. Like there's a reason. So right. definitely something to look into. I like the Jason Day uh pull. He's been so close lately. You can tell ever since his mom's thing kind of it got better and he's got back to golf. He's been so close to really busting out, it looks like. So I could see this being a good weekend. 
He's got good U.S. Open history. Definitely something to look at there. Yep. Um, what are some of your top cash game plays? I guess we kind of talked about most of them already, but any we didn't hit? We did. Um, you know, like I said, the, the, in cash, there is absolutely – this week there is zero reason to take any chances. So if I have any doubt in my mind that this guy – you know, if it's more than 50-50, that he's, if, he's, if it's more than 75-25 that he's going to miss the cut, I'm not going to play him in cash. I'm not a huge fan of cash this week other than – um, but just because the cut is so the, – the cut initially is going to be so large. Um, other than there's going to be a lot of new, new money flowing into DraftKings, DFS, PGA DFS. So there's going to be some, quote-unquote, fish or new people to kind of take advantage of in that aspect. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I know I've, I've backed way off on cash here recently, so I've not been playing a whole lot of it just because I've been focused more on GPP. But – um, you know, if I'm playing cash, I'm probably starting with Sergio and then I'm getting um, either Adam Scott or Paul Casey right off the bat and then going from there. Okay. And last you can even go Scott Casey and be fine. Yeah, it's not bad at all, actually. It's a good starting point. Um, mm-hmm. Last but not least, a couple of the must-own guys, like kind of building blocks that you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said earlier, Stinson's probably my number one. Um it's just because, like I said, it's just simple lineup construction. It makes you different straight off the bat. But even starting with Scott or start, starting with Paul Casey and GPPs is still going to make you different. And then just forcing yourself not to go above them. It's hard because you'll dip down. You're like, oh, I like this guy, this guy. Oh, now I've got 10000 left. So, I mean, go up and get Sergio. That's fine. But, you know, it's just one of those things where you you have to kind of stay disciplined as far as down too much and just getting trying to get too cute. You know, um, I put it in the article this week, keep it simple. And it's one of the things that has helped me more than anything else in life, but also in gambling. <laughs> no, it's so true. It's like, it, it sounds silly. You chuckle, I chuckle, but it's so true. When you start overthinking things, that's why it's like, it's funny. Some days, even for baseball, it like, you know, golf really well. I know baseball really well. So, there's certain days I'll be so busy and I never really got to research a ton and I build a couple of lineups just to have action. And those are like my better day. It's just, you don't overthink it. You know what you know and you go. It's, yeah, it's yeah. funny. No, there's it's something it's to it. You know, if, if I set a lineup and I just leave it and I don't mess with it, I'm all the time better off than, than going back and changing this, that, or the other, just because I saw somebody say this, that, or the other. And it's just, just trust your gut and just keep it simple and just, just, you know, just let stuff go. One one thing I started doing recently is if I started having those feelings, I just make a new lineup and I leave that one alone. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to do it. I mean, just do heads. That's fine. But just don't mess with something that you liked initially just because you feel like you have to change it. You know, it's just not a good strategy. It's really, really bad. Because one thing I will recommend, like for people playing any DFS sport, but especially golf, it's really good is Twitter is great for it. There's so much information out yeah. there, but that's the bad part. There's so much information. <laughs> yeah. So no, you got, you got to pay like filter. I agree. Yeah, okay. Let's your judgment. Yeah. Let's get into some betting. Um, what are some of your, like uh, your picks to win your, this week? Um, so I just got uh, Bovada pulled up here and just looking at some of the, the uh, odds they have. Um, 
I could get behind, you know, single winners or whatever. Um, Henrik at 28 to one. I don't think that's bad. Uh, Adam Scott, 30 to one. Keimer, 66 to one. And even maybe potentially a little sneaky type of flyer of like Tyrell Hatton up to 100 to one. Um, you know, he's not being talked a lot about. And I didn't mention him earlier, but he's the kind of guy that at 101 gives you pretty good value there. Okay. I like it. Uh, any other bets you're looking at, or are you just kind of still looking into things? I, I man, you know, I, I don't. This was yeah. you know, supposed to be the Kevin portion of. It. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to hop on with us. Um, but there's a lot of uh, good guys who I follow, and um, you know, who follow me on Twitter, and we have interactions. And they have they are way more on the up and up on that kind of thing. Um, I love watching people bet the first round leaders, though. Um, I think that's really fun to do, but I've just never gotten into it. I don't know. Well, see, I, I love following those guys with the first round leaders before uh, FanDuel changed their format because they're usually value guys. And if those, <laughs> guys, if those guys were high on them, I'd throw the darts on them for the first four round or the first two rounds. If they made the cuts even better, but just go low the opening round, you're ahead of the game. That makes a lot of sense, dude. I never even thought about that. I started doing that towards the end, and I was because because then you can load up the the weekend guys. Right, it's crazy. Right. But, yeah, tons of guys to follow, like NYC Punter and all those guys. There's a bunch of them. Um, let's get some predictions before we wrap it up. Who are – you've named a few, and we'll kind of recap. I know we're repeating it, but maybe people will catch on by the end that who you really like. Um, <laughs> what are some of the surprise guys? Who who do you think no one's going to – like no one's going to see coming? Um, there's a couple guys we actually didn't talk about either one of these, and they're really, really pro- – they're – their price is really low on DraftKings. Aaron Rye, R-A-I, um, he's a guy who nobody knows about, will be less than 1% owned, but it's kind of like an accuracy type of dude, plays a lot of Euro, um, and he won the Kenya Open. Yes, they have golf in Kenya, apparently. So um, I, I think he's worth a, a little – you know, flyer, little Millie Maker type of deal, make the cut, potentially get inside the top 30, pay off for you. Um, another guy that I've heard kind of floated around, uh, Stefan Stephen Yeager. Um, I'm not, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about him, but he's 6,300. So he's really, really low priced, and he'll be he'll be way, way under. Nobody will hardly be on him. So I think that, you know, there's going to be somebody like that who makes the cut and then makes a run inside the top maybe potentially 10 on Saturday and then eventually fades away on Sunday when the pressure gets too good or too great. Um, but those, those are two of the kind of guys that I think could do that, have the potential to do that. Um, and as far as the big names go, um, I think it's a good week for Paul Casey. I mentioned it before. Uh, I just have a good feeling about Paul this week. No, I like that. Paul, you know, he doesn't do it every week, but it's similar to like the, um, the Henrik thing when he when he makes cuts he contends, right? And there's there's something to that. Um, what about a guy like Thornberry who had a big weekend last week and he's probably going to be chalkier because people realize that compared to these other guys. But it's a big weekend for him. I think Kip, the uh, fun fun uh, caddy follow on Twitter, I believe he's going to caddy him. So is what he, are you looking at with him? Is he in the field? Yeah, as far what I as far as I saw earlier, I saw someone post a bet on him. I could be totally wrong. Is he not on the field now? 
Oh, I don't know, to be honest with you. He's just not on what I was just looking at there. Oh, maybe he didn't get in. I, I swore someone said he got in. I don't think and, he's in. Okay, well, that answers that question. Don't play him, people. <laughs> um, for, yeah, I didn't think he was because of the whole amateur thing, and then I swore I saw somewhere today, but just more proof. You can't trust everything you see on Twitter. I, I think he gets into the Masters for winning the – because he won the NCAA. So I think he gets into the Masters, and then he probably will get into, like, the 2018 – I don't know about the U.S. Open, but, like, he might get into the British Open and the Masters next year. I, I don't know. He'll get some – but he's not in this. I think he had to probably Monday qualify, and he didn't. Yeah, no, you're right. So he's nowhere in the in the names. Okay, cancel that one. What are some guys that you think everyone's just all over and are going to be massively disappointing this weekend? Um, Rom. I think Rom is going to disappoint a lot. Um, and I like DJ, but I he's got to win in order to pay off that price and. So I think he's going to probably end up disappointing about 25 to 30% of the people who roster him when he doesn't win and then they don't win big money. Um, so, I mean, I'm not totally against playing DJ. You have to get different if you play him, but I don't know. I just don't see him winning. Something, something's in his head. Something's weird going on with him right now. Yeah, uh, before the quote-unquote accident – <laughs> he was he was as lights out as anybody I've seen since like the Tiger days. It was scary what he was yeah. doing out there. But since then, you know, he's competed and whatnot, but he has not been that guy. Right. Um, it's almost like Tiger when he first came back and all of a sudden kind of fell to the pack. <laughs> it was kind of one of those things. Um, so that's a good point. And he also said something we talk about a lot is, his price tag is so high, he has to win. At worst, like top two or top three, at worst. Right. He has to be up there. And if anything below a top five, you're losing. You're not oh, getting yeah, you're You'll be lucky to cash unless you have a, a lot of other good plays on there. So that's a great point you mentioned there. Um, okay, prediction time. Who's your winner? Man, put me on the old spot. I'm just going <laughs> to – I'm just gonna go with um, we go with Paul Casey. I don't know. He's just I've got a I've got a feeling about him. Now, if it wasn't Paul Casey, I would say Henrik Stenson. But like I said, I think he's gonna be more of a popular pick. So I'm just gonna step out on a limb here and and just say Paul Casey. And by the way, Paul Casey is currently, if you wanted to bet him single, fifty to one, which somebody I should have mentioned whenever I was talking about the odds. But fifty one is really good value on Paul Casey. Especially as much as you like him, you got to put a little little scratch. <laughs> I should sprinkle something, man. I don't have any money in the account, so. There you go. Um, but, yeah, uh, it, you, you said three Euro guys, and like I said earlier, it, there's a lot of Euro loving for a good reason. Um, what If you still have the odds up in front of you, mm-hmm. what are the odds on Sergio? He is 22. He's That's the 8th favorite. Yeah, I can I can get behind twenty two on Sergio as well. Yeah. Um, I was thinking fifteen or less, probably not. Twenty two is not bad, just because yeah. I think that that monkey's finally off his back. This yeah. could be this could be interesting. You've seen how that you saw what Dustin did when the monkey is off his back. Um, right. Could be interesting, definitely interesting. And two years ago, you know, Jordan Spieth won the Masters and turned around and won the U.S. Open. So it's yeah. possible. Um, Sergio's got the head to do it. I you know I would I wouldn't. Like I say, it's good cash play. Anytime I say somebody's a good cash play, then 
I really like them. Well, honestly, like we kind of beat around the bush on it a few times, but if, if I'm building cash lineups, I'm staying below 10K. I'm staying middle of the pack. I don't see any reason yeah. to go crazy. I wouldn't either um, just because I think a lot of cash teams will start with – I think, you know, a lot of cash teams have gone stars and scrubs, and it's just not necessary. Not this week, not the way pricing is. Um, you know, I, I totally agree with you on that. Stay right at – if you want to start if you want to start with a star, start with Sergio and just try to work your way down, but don't go too far down. Yeah. All right, before we wrap it up, I want to give a shout-out to somebody. I don't even know him personally. I know you talked to him a few times, but if you are playing PJDFS, give at Cut Sweats a follow. That oh, is yeah. – that is a lifesaver, and he has built a, a website that I know Jesse's dug into. It's got all kinds of stuff on ownerships and cuts. Very impressive. Yes. Very impressive, especially for the PGA DFS world. Uh, so I want to throw that out. He's done a great job on that all for free, too. That's that's one of the coolest things. Um, you get an update every 30 minutes on how many people are making the cut. It'll be really, really popular to look at that this week um, in particular. And then, you know, if you don't care, to another, another bunch who I talk about a lot in the uh, – article is uh fanshare sports um yeah. you don't check their uh web page you should start because it's really really easy to see who the chalk is going to be um and and avoiding the chalk in, in golf is half the battle mm-hmm. <laughs> no so very 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 good points there uh anything else you want to mention before we wrap it up that's it. Well, who, who do you got? Who do you like to win it? We, we, I never did that, and you never did say. Uh, I can't. If I have to go up top, I'd say Sergio, but huh? that's kind of chalky. That's not as fun. <laughs> I, I have a feeling about him. If I got to go farther down, um, man, you got me talking into Casey all of a sudden. I can't believe that. <laughs> I was looking at a couple of the foreigners, like. Uh, I like Peters, but that sounds chalky. I don't know. I haven't narrowed it down yet. It's kind of a a tough one. I, I'm pretty much staying away from the USA, as, as bad as that sounds. Uh, it's just a weird feeling this week. But I got nothing. I'll go Sergio. Just to make a pick, I'll go Sergio. I, I don't see. I don't think that. I don't think it'll be as chalky as you think. At least I hope not. But yeah, we'll see. So I think I think he's gonna be pretty solid. Yep. But all right, man. Again, thanks for joining us. As always, you can check Jesse out on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods and his article weekly at thesportsdegens.com. He's been doing it for over a year now, and it's been awesome. Really, really good stuff every week. It's like clockwork, so it's good stuff. Uh, as always, Jesse, thanks, man. Thank you, Bubba. Happy to be here again. We'll talk uh, maybe again after. Yeah, well, there's a good chance. Like the Masters, I'll end up. DMing and going, hey, you want to record again? Because that was pretty epic what we just watched this weekend. But uh, if for some random reason we don't, yeah, if some random reason we don't, I'm always down to talk golf. So for now, we'll pretty much count on it. But if not, for some reason, if something comes up, right we got one of my favorite majors next, the Open, yep. which I just love the Open. It's it's awesome. So enjoy this tournament. It's kind of going to be a little preview maybe of what you get for the Open, but maybe a little harder. So, uh, <laughs> so check that out. But as always, guys, thanks for listening. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 41, your U.S. Open preview. Good luck this week, and hopefully get some good golf.